0: With SDPB News, I'm Megan Fury. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem is taking to Twitter to criticize lawmakers in their efforts to reduce the overall sales tax. Noem promised to cut the food tax during her re-election campaign last year. House lawmakers rejected the proposal last week. SDPB's Lee Strubinger reports.
1: Lawmakers are advancing a bill that reduces the overall sales tax. Nome has cautioned lawmakers about ballot question efforts to remove the food tax, so senators are making the overall cut temporary. From her campaign Twitter account, NOME said South Dakota residents would not benefit as greatly from reducing the overall sales tax. For every $100 spent, the cut would save $0.30. She says the sunset makes the state's sales tax easier to change.
2: It would create instability in our business and our tax environment as it creates an uncertain future. In fact, they have chosen this option because they recognize that the people of South Dakota will support repealing a sales tax on groceries in the near future, and they are worried that they can't afford two tax reductions.
1: State lawmakers are steadfast in their opposition to removing the state sales tax on food. Some say a broader sales tax cut will be more stable in the long run. Both ideas would cut around $100 million from the state budget. Nome says she'll get the final say.
2: As we go into the last two weeks of legislative session, my hope is that policymakers remember that they work for the people and that they will be accountable to the people. They'll present me a budget soon and I will have to decide if it is worthy of my signature or not. I've proven in the past that I am willing to make hard decisions and I will again.
1: When asked if the governor was threatening to veto the general bill, a spokesperson for Nome said her remarks speak for themselves. Lawmakers have until March 9th to pass a budget. I'm SDP Beasley Strubinger, Impeer.
0: A bill to limit parole for violent offenders, known as the Truth in Sensing Bill, was given final legislative approval yesterday. The House of Representatives turned down a proposed amendment and heard long testimony, that included information about victims and their rights. They then voted 53 to 17 in
3: favor of passage. Victoria Wicks has this report for SDPB. Senate Bill 146 puts limits on parole opportunities for certain offenders sent to the South Dakota State Penitentiary. Representative Sue Peterson introduced the bill on the House floor and noted that it does not apply to drug crimes or other nonviolent offenses. It's
0: focused on violent crime because that's the greatest area of concern for our citizens, and for law enforcement.
3: Currently, first-time violent offenders come up for parole consideration after serving half of their sentences. Representative John Hansen asked the legislative body to consider how that scheme affects victims.
1: I would ask that you put yourself in the shoes of, of the victim or the victim's family, and they're sitting in that courtroom, and this judge is going to announce the sentence for somebody who did them great harm.
3: Hansen said the victim might hear the judge pronounce a 10-year sentence and be traumatized five years later to learn that the offender has qualified for parole. But Representative Mike Stevens said the state has mandatory victims' rights laws that require informing a victim before sentencing how parole guidelines work.
2: When the state's attorney goes and makes a deal with the defense attorney, they first go to that victim and they tell him, this is what it's going to be. This is how much time it's going to be. The victim knows it. Everybody knows it.
3: Stephen said it might seem complicated to people not accustomed to how a courtroom functions, but there's a system to keep victims as well as defendants informed. And he said taking a more punitive approach in sentencing does not lower the crime rate.
2: You know, in each year, we continue, in my ninth year, we continue to accept more felonies, longer sentences, and we still have the same problem.
3: The bill has now had final approval and will go to the governor for signature. For South Dakota Public Broadcasting, I'm Victoria Wicks. A
0: proposal that would have paved the way to work requirements for expanded Medicaid recipients died in the Senate Health and Human Services Committee. How would this proposal have affected new Medicaid recipients? SDPB's C.J. Keen has more.
4: While House Joint Resolution 5004 wouldn't have made such work requirements law, it would have put the question to voters on a future ballot. During proponent testimony to committee, Representative Tony Van Huysen says despite his initial opposition to Medicaid expansion, this bill is not designed to undo that vote.
2: I can tell you that we are working very hard with the administration, who's working very hard, to make sure that that Medicaid expansion is implemented faithfully. The issue of a work requirement as a possibility for Medicaid expansion was not really central to the issue of the expansion ballot measure last year, and I'm not so sure that... It's, it's been a fully addressed by the voters. While
4: framed as a solution to workforce issues, there was opposition to the proposal. Sister Kathleen Byrne, speaking on behalf of the Presentation Sisters in Aberdeen, questioned who this bill could affect.
3: This resolution would result in nullifying the purpose of expanding Medicaid for some of the very people who are most in need. This resolution uses the term able-bodied Able-bodied in its work requirement would have a lot of different meanings.
4: That could include people like cancer patients, according to Matthew McClarity with the American Cancer Society.
1: We see this uh, resolution as potentially creating undue barriers for low-income South Dakotans who are cancer patients and those who will be diagnosed with cancer. Many cancer patients in active treatment are often unable to work or require significant work modifications due to their treatment.
4: The resolution was moved to the 41st legislative day on a five to two vote, killing it for this session. I'm SDPB's CJ Keen.
0: SDPB's legislative coverage is supported by the Friends of SDPB with corporate support from the South Dakota Bar Foundation and SDN Communications. Community teams are central to reforms in juvenile justice implemented in 2015. But not all communities offer the services. One reason is that services aren't available. But another reason is that judges haven't been given the option in law to appoint teams, and so they've hesitated. Senate Bill 6 gives judges that authority. Victoria Wicks has this report for SDPB.
3: Representative Mike Stevens' district includes Clay and Yankton counties, two of the 14 counties included in the First Judicial Circuit. Stevens said First Circuit judges currently appoint community teams to look into a juvenile offender's situation and give the judge options before adjudication.
2: We found out that if our teams can be used earlier in the process, teams are more likely to find better alternatives, pathways, and services that are lead to better outcomes for our children.
3: He said the child's school is central to the team approach.
2: Our teachers and our administrators, they have almost daily contact with these kids, and they probably have a better idea what's going on and know what's going on uh, than anyone else does.
3: Stevens noted that the child's parents are included by law. Representative Rebecca Reimer's district includes Brule and Buffalo counties, also part of the First Circuit. She expressed concern about the central role played by school personnel. I just wonder how much extra work it is for the person that is asked to be a part of this team Reimer asked if there should be an appropriation to compensate school employees for their additional time. We do ask a lot of our teachers. They do a lot of outside work. Stevens replied that he does not speak for all teachers, but his wife taught for 42 years and believes that doing what's right is what's best for children.
2: The amount of time that they would spend to turn a child around saves them so much time later in the classroom.
3: The committee voted to approve the bill, and it now goes to the House floor for debate. For South Dakota Public Broadcasting, I'm Victoria Wicks.
0: President Joe Biden has approved disaster assistance for South Dakota communities hit by winter storms in December. The disaster declaration paves the way for federal funds to pay for recovery efforts in 16 counties. FEMA will distribute the money to state, tribal, and local governments. A series of winter storms disrupted travel statewide and left some people stranded in their homes. The weather is blamed for several deaths on the Rosebud Reservation. A proposed merger between Sanford and Fairview is spurring the University of Minnesota to take action. University representatives say they oppose the merger because it would give Sanford control over several facilities vital to Minnesota's medical education system. The University is requesting $950 million from the state to acquire four total facilities before any Sanford-Fairview merger. The request is subject to the State Board of Regents approval. The health systems recently pushed back the merger deadline from March to May at the request of the Minnesota Attorney General. Dr. Brian Maher, who has served as Executive Director and CEO of the South Dakota Board of Regents since June 2020, has announced his resignation. Maher will see out his current contract, which ends in June. Following Maher's exit, Nathan Lukes will serve as the next Regents Executive Director and CEO. He's been with the Board of Regents since 2014. Maher says he's confident the board's in good hands upon his departure. The State Board of Regents oversees all public universities in South Dakota. With SDPB News, I'm Megan Fury.
2: And that is your daily news update. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SDPB News and visit sdpb.org news to stay up to date on our journalism as it comes in. And as always, thank you for listening.